Good morning. Welcome to Christ's Cornerstone. If you're worshiping online with us, we welcome you this morning. If you're in the room, would you stand with us as we begin to worship the Lord today? He's worthy of praise. Amen. He's worthy of praise. Amen. When I'm in the roughest water, I won't go under, I won't drown. And when I'm in over my head, I know that you won't let me down. And when I'm broken and down to nothing, I know that you happening in our lives, you are always up to something good. And we worship you and we thank you. Good morning, family. I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Are you glad today? It is so good to be in God's house. Lay Elder Sharon and I are going to read some scripture and say a prayer. So today our scripture comes from Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. You have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. 
I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present situation. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you to the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. How many of us can say that when we were at our very lowest that God did for us what no one else could do? And that when we were at our highest, it was all because of him. So can we look to the Lord? I can say that without a doubt, that when I was at my lowest and still am, God was there. He promised us that he didn't leave us nor forsake us. He promised us that if we hold faithful to him, that him, God, will be faithful. He's looking for us to be righteous and just loving and merciful as Pastor Sharon will preach about mercy today. Father God, we come to you this morning not because we're righteous but because we seek righteousness. Father God, we come to you this morning not because we're loving but that's because we seek love from you, Lord God. Father God, you are the way. You are the one. You're the only one in which we can come and get that peace that surpasses all understanding. That love knowing that no matter where we go, no matter what we walk through, you promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Father God, we need you. Lord, we look to you for a better path, Lord God. Father God, we look to you for food, not just for the stomach, but for the soul, Father God. Lord, you promised us in the Lord's Prayer that you'll give us our daily bread. And people often look to that daily bread as literal food. But, Father God, that daily bread is whatever we need this day, Lord God. And, Father God, for each and every one of us today, that daily bread is a little different because you've made us all differently. So, Lord God, we look to you this morning, Lord God, because you alone are God and you alone are worthy, Lord God. Be merciful to us, Lord God, because, Father, We are sinners, and it's by your grace that we are saved. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Kathy, and here's this week's news. In the past few days, both of our campuses have been approved as COVID vaccine sites. The vaccines will be administered by members of the Delaware National Guard. If you are 50 years of age and over, you can call the office at either campus or visit our website to get your name on the list. When a date is set, you will be contacted regarding an appointment. Easter weekend is coming in just a couple of weeks, and we are excited to celebrate together. We have a full calendar of activities happening at both campuses. Our CTC Kids Ministry is sponsoring an Easter extravaganza on Saturday, April 3rd, from 12 noon to 2 p.m. at the Bear Campus. This will be a family scavenger hunt event held outside to observe COVID protocols. Registration is required. You can find the registration form by going to our website and clicking on Events. For the full schedule of services, check our website. Each week, our media team faithfully serves our church in a number of different forms at our Bear Campus. Camera operators and audio and video technicians are essential to our mission of delivering the message, especially to our online campus. We need your help. If you love media, video, or photography, we would love to talk to you about getting involved. You don't need a great deal of experience. We will train you. We are looking for people who are passionate about ministering through the media. For more information, contact Michelle Passwaters at mpasswaters at ctcde.church or see Pastor Bill. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus Office at 302-836-2862 
or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church. Or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. always glad to be in God's house. Do you feel that way? I just feel like whatever is going on in my life, I can push it aside. I can just focus on God and his goodness, his grace and his mercy. And there's nothing better than that. So whether you're in this room or if you're in your living room or bedroom, we welcome you today. And because we always want to connect with you, we're asking a very simple thing. There's a connect card on your table or your chair, or if you're online, there is a connect card, a connect button there. Please fill out the card and list everyone that's sitting either at your table or next to you on the chair or with you at home. On the connect card, you can also place prayer requests. We take prayer requests very seriously. We always have to lift each other in prayer to bring those concerns before the Lord. If this is your first time here and you're in the room after service, please stop by our Welcome Center where one of our pastors or our trained service hosts will meet you and greet you and make you feel especially welcome. If this is your first time here and you're online, please click the New Here button and fill out some information, and one of our pastors will be sure to reach out to you after the service. And I know that's true because my best friend, she's like, I got a letter from Pastor Sharon. So we definitely reach out. And as we transition into a time of giving, on your table you have an offering envelope. Envelope where you can give a one-time contribution. If you're online, you can click the Give button where you can give a one-time or recurring donation. The thing that I, I love about giving back to the Lord a portion of what he's given us is because it's very tangible work of God's giving in our communities. We have the chance to be hands and feet of God, and to give to those who need a touch from God. So if you would stand with me, we're going to pray over the offering and pray that it reaches many and that it blesses many. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for waking us up on this beautiful spring day. Father, we know that we can't beat your giving no matter how we try. The more we give to you, Father, the more you bless us. So as we bring these gifts, may they be used for the upkeep of your kingdom. May they be used to touch someone who needs a touch from you. May they be multiplied and may they show our faithfulness to you and our belief that the work that is done in this world is done solely to shine your light on those who are lost and are hurting or who just need help father god we all need your help but some of it financially so please bless these gifts and may they be used for your kingdom building in jesus name we pray amen if you would please stand as we continue in worship, the praise team will lead us. God, we give you everything that is within us, all of our fears, all of our failures. And we ask you to take us and make us The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't. Cause it got 
was reading yesterday morning in Second Chronicles chapter 20 about King Jehoshaphat and when they sent the singers out in front of the army. Something struck me, and that is, you know, I will, if, if you know me as anything, I'm pretty transparent. And I'll pretty much tell you what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And, and I, like most of us, well, maybe nobody else in this room or watching us online except me is this. But I am a spoiled American kid that's always been blessed, that's always had God's hand of blessing seemingly for whatever reason on my life. And I don't have a problem at all saying thank you when I receive something nice, when I receive a gift. But I think what God wants us to do is to anticipate his gift and to be thankful before. To be thankful before he brings a financial miracle. To be thankful before he brings a physical healing. To be thankful before he restores a broken relationship. And to give those things to him and understanding that the battle is not ours, but the battle is the Lord's. Amen? And when we realize that and when we understand that, then we can lift our hands and with the, from the bottom of our heart with everything in us, we can just throw our head back and say, Lord, we glorify your name. Will you say that with me, Lord? We glorify your name. Because the battle is not ours. The battle is yours. We yield ourselves to you today. Fully and completely.
and we glorify. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We glorify your name in all How many of you can say there is none like you? Our God. No one else can do for us what God does. And we glorify his name. And there will be a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess him, Lord. Can we look to the Lord? Thank you, Father God, for being all sufficient, for supplying our every need, for being able to fix any issue in our life. And dear Lord, now as we turn to hear a word from you, Father, we ask that you open the eyes to the window of our soul. Please give us ears to hear this message. Let your spirit fall throughout this place, Father God, and on your servant, Pastor Sharon, as she brings the word. Lord, we know that you have prepared her for this moment that she has studied. And she is willing. And she wants to bring this word today, Father. But we also know that by your spirit, you are the only one that can make her able. So we ask now that you just give her the words that your children need to make changes in our lives and to draw us closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. everybody. It's great to be here with you. As Sister Fran said, I was filled with joy when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's hard to believe it, but we are already in the fifth week of our series entitled From the Inside Out. We've been looking at some specific things within ourselves that we might need to change in order for us to live out our lives in the way Christ would have us live. Our basis for this series has been the scripture passage commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. And here's a recap of what we've looked at so far. You know, when God says something, there's always a conflicting message that we get from the world. In week one, we looked at the world says pride and personal independence are to be admired. And we looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, which says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So the world says, be proud and be independent. But God says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the humble who realize that on their own, they are in spiritual poverty. Week 2, we looked at the world saying, we should pursue happiness at any cost. And we looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, which says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We should pursue happiness at any cost, but God says, no, those who mourn their condition, which is being spiritually poor, will receive God's comfort and God's provision. 
The third week, the world says, seek power and status. And we looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, which says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Seek power and status. But God says, no, God's promised inheritance, he says, my promised inheritance belongs to those who are humble and who realize that all they have and all that, that they'll ever need comes from me. And then week four, we looked at pursuing personal needs. And we looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God says, you know, pursuing personal needs, no. Because just as your bodies grow hungry and thirsty for nutrition, your spirits need to be hungry and thirsty to do what is right before God. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, which says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, the world rewards strength. The world wants us to be strong. But throughout Scripture, we read of how deeply God cares for those who are weak and those who are poor and those who are in need. And how God blesses those who share those same concerns. God wants our hearts to be a reflection of God's generous heart. God has blessed us. I know God has blessed me. God has blessed us. And God calls us to bless others. We are called to welcome and encourage and to help Those that we can. Psalm 41, verse 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. We are followers of Christ because we have been called by Christ, we've been accepted by Christ, and we've been given mercy. Because we've received mercy, we become channels of that mercy to share with one another, to share with other people. Even if somebody doesn't know God, they can receive the benefit of godly mercy through you and I. And that can open the door to introducing somebody to God. If you truly understand the freedom that comes with being forgiven and being shown mercy then it's easy to share that with someone else. If you know that forgiveness and that mercy, you know what a gift it is to be able to share that with others. If we refuse to forgive or to show mercy, then we break down that bridge that God builds between God and God's people. God's mercy is the bridge that leads to eternal life. And we can be bridge builders or we can be bridge destroyers. Showing mercy to others builds that bridge to God. James, Jesus' half-brother, tells us of the cost for not showing mercy. He says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. That's from James chapter 2, verse 13. And Jesus illustrated that same concept in the story of the unforgiving debtor. That story is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And it starts with this question from Peter. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. To which Peter said, oh, I not only have to forgive, but now I have to do math, right? Forgiveness is easier than doing math. But what Jesus was saying is that we forgive without keeping score. We do this because we're the recipients of God's incredible mercy, and that is what God does for us. That's what the good news is all about, right? Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 18 to tell this story about a king 
who was going over his accounts from, of servants that had borrowed money from him. One of the servants had borrowed millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay. And so the king ordered that he would be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned in order to satisfy his debt. But the man begged the king for forgiveness. And he said, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And the king was moved with compassion and he released the man and forgave his entire debt. That same man, shortly after he left the king, went to another servant who owed him only a small amount of money, and he demanded payment. And that fellow servant also begged for some more time. But that first servant wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until his debt could be paid in full. Some of the other servants saw what had happened, and they became very upset And so they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And the king became angry and he called the first man to him and he said, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent that man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his debt. And then Jesus said, That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That paints a pretty bleak picture of the consequences for not showing mercy. Let's talk about that word, mercy. Mercy is an action word. It means that when somebody has had enough and they can't go on, maybe to the point of where they feel they can't breathe, we don't hold them down. We lift them up. Both the king and the unforgiving servant in that story were dealing with people who had reached their breaking point. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn. And both that king and the unforgiving servant had a choice to make. The choice made by the servant had severe consequences. We are not kings, at least I'm not, but most of us, if not all of us, have been in situations where we're the one in power. We're the one that holds something over someone else, and we have the choice to build up or to break that person down. And if we choose not to show mercy, there are consequences. To the Jews, mercy signified two things. It was pardoning of an offense, and it was also almsgiving, helping the poor. Mercy means more than just not inflicting harm. It means active kindness. In this context, the word means identifying with the suffering of someone else. It means going through something difficult with somebody. It means entering into another person's problem with understanding and acceptance and compassion. It means fixing the situation if you can. That's what God did for us in Christ identifying with us and suffering on behalf of our sin. Several years ago, I was in a bad automobile accident. And the accident, without a doubt, was my fault. And my brand new car was totaled. But the most painful part of that experience for me was that a good friend of mine who was a passenger in my car was badly hurt. I had some injuries also, but the worst of those injuries was the pain of knowing that I had hurt someone else. And it wasn't just anyone. It was a good, close friend. A few days after the accident, I was able to see my friend for the first time since the accident had occurred. And I was in tears because I was so remorseful 
for what had happened. And my friend looked at me and said, Sharon, that's why they call it an accident. I know what it feels to have been shown mercy. John Wesley preached a series of sermons that deal with the Sermon on the Mount. And in his second sermon of that series, he talks about this verse that we're talking about today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And he interchangeably uses the word mercy with the word love as, as it is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And part of that passage from 1 Corinthians says this, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And Wesley, when he was talking about this, he paid special attention to that phrase that says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful. That kind of love, according to Wesley, and this is what he said, that kind of love is always willing to think the best to put the most favorable construction on everything. It is ever ready to believe whatever may tend to the advantage of one's character, is easily convinced of what it earnestly desires, the innocence and integrity of any man, or at least of the sincerity of his repentance. If he had once erred from the way, it is glad to excuse whatever is amiss, to condemn the offender as little as possible, and to make allowance for human weakness, which can be done without betraying the truth of God. Well, that is the truth of God. That God's love for us never gives up. It doesn't lose faith. It is always hopeful, and it does endure through every circumstance. People take to heart what we say because of the quality of our character. If our friends trust what we say, it's because they trust us. We trust what God has to say because we trust God and who God claims to be. If we don't trust the promises of God, then we're questioning the integrity of God. If we truly believe that God is God, then how can we not believe God's words? We believe what God says because God does not lie. God does not forget or change the word of God. And God does not leave promises unfulfilled. And we trust the Bible because it contains the words of that holy, trustworthy, unchanging God. People throughout history have tried all kinds of ways to please God. But the verses that we've been studying over these past few weeks give some pretty clear instruction. They tell us to seek after the things that are just and right. To hunger and thirst for those things. They tell us that we must have mercy because we've received God's mercy. And they tell us that we need to be humble. In our efforts to please God... We should be examining ourselves on a regular basis and and asking ourselves questions like, am I fair and just in my dealing with others? Do I show mercy even when I feel that I've been wronged? Do I keep my own ego from taking over my thoughts and actions and yield to what God is asking of me? Am I living in a way that reflects a deep and growing relationship with God. My favorite scripture verse is kind of like the Cliff's Notes for what we've been looking at so far in this series. My favorite verse is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. 
children imitate their parents. And we should imitate God. The way to do that is to model our lives after Jesus, who, as God's son, was the presence of God in this world. His great love for us led him to give his life so that we could receive the full benefit of God's mercy, that gift of eternal life. Our love for others should be a reflection of that kind of love, a love that is so much more than just feelings of affection. It's a servant kind of love, the kind of love that continues even if it means we have to sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. John Wesley ended his second discourse on the Sermon on the Mount with these words. The Lord God, fill thy heart with such a love to every soul that thou mayest be ready to lay down thy life for his sake. May thy soul continually overflow with love, swallowing up every unkind and unholy temple till he calleth thee up to the region of love, there to reign with him forever and ever. My friends, may our prayer echo that of John Wesley. May we be so filled with love toward everyone that we would sacrificially serve others so that they might experience that mercy of God. And may there be no room in our hearts for any unkindness or unholiness. And may we continue to be channels of God's mercy until that glorious day when we will dwell with God in our heavenly home. Amen. Showing mercy is not always easy, but when we think about the mercy that we have been shown, the mercy that God gave us when he sent his son Jesus to die for us, and we think about that mercy and that grace, how can we not be people of mercy? Amen. You stand as we continue to worship today. Maybe you need someone to pray with you this morning. If you just want to come and pray, the front area is open for you to come and kneel and pray this morning. If you need someone to pray with you, there are folks here that are available to do that. But as we think about the mercy of God and think about all that he's given us, and then how we can in turn turn that mercy to other people, God help us to do that today. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you today. And as we prepare to leave, we just want to sing this blessing over one another. God, we pray that you would bless us when we come and when we go and when we rise up and when we lie down. To put ourselves in your hands.
your spirit go with us. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that empowers us and strengthens us to show mercy, and to be peacemakers, and to be meek, and to be humble, to be the things that you have called us to do. So, Lord, we pray your blessing over us this day and every day. Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great week.